The Old Testament reading for this, the baptism of our Lord day, comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 42, beginning with verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says the Lord, the God, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading for this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 6, starting with verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. Glory 
Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As we said, we celebrate Epiphany, we celebrate the visit of the wise men uh, because it is the Gentile nations coming to worship the Christ, coming to worship the Son of God. And there is there an Epiphany, that word meaning a revealing of who this is, who this baby is that is born there in Bethlehem, that he is a special king, the king that is long foretold, the King of Kings. And then, as we said, today's reading from Matthew, here we have another epiphany, another revealing of who Jesus is. Our reading says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? There has not been a prophet in Israel for 400 years. And now suddenly there's this weird guy out there in the desert, dressed outlandishly, eating wild locusts and honey, which I am told is a delicacy, but I don't believe it. <laughs> he is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, as Isaiah says, prepare the way of the Lord. And John the Baptist is there and he's calling people to repent of their sin, calling them out of their life of sin to repentance, to be baptized, to change their ways. And many of the Pharisees, we know, come out to see this prophet that's out there. All the people, it says, in Jerusalem and the surrounding area are going out to listen to him and the Pharisees, the leadership from Jerusalem, they're, they're concerned about this. And so they want to go out there. And the Pharisees are these uh, strict leaders, right? Um, the name Pharisee means separate one. They are the ones who have separated themselves out of society uh, because of their strict observance of the law. And they call other people to join them not as a Pharisee necessarily, but to join them in coming out, to join them in, in observing every minute detail of the law. They set themselves up as these great examples of obedience to God, thinking that this is a way that God is pleased with them. We're told uh, that they even tithe one-tenth of the mint and the dill and the cumin that they grow 
in their garden. That's how careful they are to obey all of that law. And the people do look up to them and honor them as being very righteous. And so these righteous people come out to see John and John sees them coming and he says, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. God tells us in his word that by our actions, we fallen sinners will never be able to satisfy the perfection demanded by God's law. King David says in Psalm 51, Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the day my mother conceived me. And Paul writes in Romans 3, There is no one righteous, not even one. And so John preaches repentance, and Jesus comes to him, to the river, to be baptized, and John refuses because here before him is one, is the one, the one man who has never sinned. The one man who is righteous. The only one not born sinful, the Messiah of God who will make all things right between man and God once and for all and for all people. John says you should be baptizing me. John rightly places himself with the sinners who are coming to him. John himself is in that sea of humanity that needs to be washed along with the Pharisees, along with all of us. John is in the same boat. But Jesus, John knows, is not in that boat. <laughs> Jesus is not even in the same universe as we are in that sense. He's the only person in the world, Jesus, who is not in the boat. Jesus answers John and says, Let it be so now, or let it be so for now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And this is not what John expected. If you want to go north, then you follow a compass. You look at the needle and it lines itself up north and south. And if you keep following that needle, if you just keep traveling north, you'll end up at the North Pole. Except that you won't. You'll end up at the magnetic North Pole, which isn't in the same place. It's close, but not the same. The North Pole ends up being where you're not expecting it to be. The compass, or more accurately, the Earth's magnetic attraction deceives you a little bit. The wise men headed the direction that seemed to make sense. They followed the star for perhaps a thousand miles. 
And when they had reached Jerusalem, they thought they had arrived at their destination. This was where the new king of the Jews surely was born. But they were a little off, just five or six miles. Not bad after a trip of a thousand. But they weren't going to find the Christ child in Jerusalem. The earth has a powerful magnetism that can pull us from true north. We like Jerusalem. It's comforts and conveniences, it's finery, very attractive. We still think we're headed in the right, in the right direction. It, it appears that we are close, but we can be deceived. True north is Jesus. He is our real destination. But he's not where we expect him to be. Nowhere near the glitz and the glamour. Two weeks ago, it was in humble Bethlehem and a manger. Today, he's standing at the Jordan River with sinners. Soon enough, he'll be near Jerusalem, just outside the walls, on a hill. John Chrysostom, who was a fourth century bishop of Constantinople, wrote this about Jesus' response to John in, in Chrysostom's commentary. He says, Jesus did not merely say, let it be so. John says, you should baptize me. And you come to me to be baptized. And Jesus says, he doesn't say, let it be so. He says, let it be so now. Let it be so for now. For it will not be so forever, John Chrysostom says. Says that John the Baptist should understand this. Jesus is saying, you will see me the way you want to see me, but not yet. For the present, endure this. I think that's a great explanation of Jesus' answer. John wants Jesus to be powerful, mighty, to rule, to bring God's kingdom in an awesome way that the whole world will see. And I think very often that's what we want too. We have ideas of who and what we want Jesus to be. Someone to smooth life over. Someone to give us the desires of our heart. Someone who will overlook or even excuse our sin. Someone who will mold the world around us into a world of our liking. The French philosopher Voltaire, 300 years ago, said, If God created us in his own image, we have more than reciprocated. If God created us in his image, we, in our fallen sinful nature, have created God in our image. We have reciprocated. He rightly noted that when we 
that we tend to make God in our own image and our likeness, making his goal, making our goals his goals, making our will his will, making our thoughts his thoughts, so that we think that God is like us and ought to think and act like we do. And then we're disappointed when he doesn't come through. John knows who John is, the forerunner. He says, one is coming. And he knows who that one is. He knows who Jesus is, the mighty Messiah. But Jesus says, let it be this way for now. The time is coming, John, but not yet. Now there is work to be done in preparation. And John sees, part, he sees the Lamb of God, but what he does not yet see is the wooden cross standing outside Jerusalem's wall. He does not yet see the nails and the blood and the suffering of the Messiah of God, the Lamb of Sacrifice. One day Jesus will be what John wants, the victorious one, the one who will baptize with fire and with the Holy Spirit. But for today, Jesus says, let me be baptized by you. And then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So we have the sinners from Jerusalem coming out, flocking to this prophet in the wilderness, confessing their sins, being baptized for forgiveness. Why does Jesus come? What John says is true. John should be baptized by Jesus. Jesus has no sin to confess. Why doesn't Jesus, who is so much more perfect than the Pharisees, stand with them and call sinners out of their life of sin? Why doesn't Jesus set up a, a community out in the desert like the Essenes or somebody else and say, hey, come here, leave your sinful life behind, come here, and then you will have God's love. Then you will have God's um, adoration. Why doesn't Jesus call people out? Because he knows, as we confess, that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Jesus doesn't call us to make ourselves righteous. Instead, he comes among us, comes to walk with us, to teach us about the love our God has for imperfect people who can't get it right. And he comes not just to talk about it, but to embody that love. Jesus comes to John to be baptized by him because in order to fulfill all righteousness, in order for Jesus to make us sinners clean and pure and holy, He's going to have to stand with us there at the river first as though he is a sinner. That's how he's going to die, crucified among criminals, bearing the sins of the world, bearing the punishment 
of Almighty God for that sin. But Jesus doesn't become a sinner by sinning. In fact, he is the only human being ever to live and never sin. When he stood before Pilate to be judged by man, he was completely innocent. When he died on the cross, he was judged by God and found completely guilty. Guilty of every harsh and wrong word of ours. Guilty of every impure thought. Guilty of our greed and our lust and our selfishness. Guilty of our judging others. Guilty of our loving ourselves above all. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For our sake God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus answers John, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Fitting for us, he says. Fitting for both John and Jesus. They're both following God's plan to gap the distance created by our sin. God's plan to redeem creation from the terrible curse. God's plan to remove the gulf of separation between him and us. John is right about Jesus, and Jesus acknowledges that. Let it be so for now. Yes, John, you do need to be baptized by me. You're right. You're right, too, that I don't need to repent. But I'm here to stand with sinners. That's my mission. That's my whole ministry. I'm here to stand in for sinners. For you, John, for the Pharisees, for the Sadducees, for all of Israel, for all of humanity. Here at the Jordan River, Jesus begins that ministry of standing in for sinners because it should be us on that cross, forsaken by God and being punished for our sin. And thinking about Jesus dying there, his body ravaged and torn, the blood and the darkness and the injustice, it feels ugly, but it is so very good. On that cross, God didn't just label Jesus a sinner. He didn't just pretend that Jesus was a sinner. He made Jesus to be our sin. So that in his death and resurrection, we might have forgiveness, righteousness, and life that will never end. And so this day we celebrate because our sins are forgiven. Today we are washed clean. And we haven't been called out to come out of a life of sin. We've been brought out. Brought out by the mighty works of God. By the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Son of God who stood in our place. Both at the Jordan River and on the cross. God has put his own name on you and in the waters of your baptism has washed away your sins. 
He's given you his Holy Spirit. He has sealed you for resurrection to new life. New life you even enjoy right now, today. God calls you his beloved child. Because of Christ, God the Father is well pleased with you. That's a revelation. That's an epiphany of the greatest magnitude. And that is a reason to celebrate. In the name of Jesus, amen.